Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Now, today we're going to talk about adaptations that are not actually diseases. So we're going to look at the source of this, and this is pretty exciting stuff, particularly when you realize that most people are medicated for stress. And if you do that without addressing the stress, that ain't appropriate. Um, but also, in the second part, we're going to talk about taking back our freedom. I mean, if you look at today's society, um, do you really think that isolating everybody, even people that are not at risk, is uh, appropriate? Well, <laughs> let's look at that. Okay, so the ninety, uh, the CDC said 94% of their deaths were off. So when somebody says that 600,000 people have died from this COVID pandemic, okay, um, really, according to the CDC, they had to have 3.8 comorbid conditions, and it wasn't 600,000. It was 94% less, okay? So you're looking at about 6% of that, or around uh, 180 or 18,000 people. So this is a very, very low, small group that's being affected by it. But we've known this for over a year. Um, in 99.9% of the population, if you're 70 years old and under, with no comorbid conditions, you're not at risk of this disease. So this is completely political. And that means all the lockdown, the schools, the business, the lockdown, the shutting down of churches, everything. This is crazy. So um, I ask you, now, did you think this stuff was appropriate? What about having a, um, an, a vaccine in all, all of the vaccines that are approved for this COVID are emergency use authorization? They're called a EUA authorization. They are not approved by the FDA. And in fact, that takes about two years. So if you're getting this current vaccine, you're in the vaccine experiment. Now, if you feel that having a forced experimental medical procedure, having your business taken away, that this could not be done for, um, to you, that you were an American, that you had certain inalienable rights, things that could not be separated from you. Well, that's um, what we're going to talk about in the second half, and that's huge. All this information will be on the drbvip.com site. That's drbvip.com. Um, so please, join, join our resistance. I'm going to show you how to take back your freedom. You are going to be an American national, an American citizen, not a U.S. citizen. Um, and also, please, join the Extreme Health Academy. Absolutely ideal. Um, forums, everything. So um, let's look at, at high blood pressure, high cholesterol, type 2 diabetes, and bowel disorders. Now, if I tell you, and now, now I'm just going to mention high blood pressure, high cholesterol, type 2 diabetes, and bowel disorders. What species of animal on the planet do you think we are? Um, do you, do you, or do you think has this? Am I talking about caribou, buffalo, um, sheep, goats, pigs, or humans? Okay, so when you think of this, is there any other animal on the planet that can't regulate their own physiology? Um, are, you, are we part of nature? Yes, we are part of nature. That means that we are designed to live here. 
Uh, so when you look at the current uh, pandemic, it, are young people just dropping dead in the street? No, that's not true. They have to have a 3.8 comorbid condition. So these people are under extreme stress. That means they've had a heart operation or they've had failed chemotherapy or, or they're taking ACE inhibitors or beta blockers or a subtype of drug. So you're looking at these people that are in a completely stressed state. So, and, and they are the ones that are at risk of dying of this disease. Now, of course, you could strengthen your immune system to, by taking vitamin C, vitamin D, um, zinc. There's a lot of different therapies, but those therapies are, um, are, are censored by the powers that be. If, because in order to force a, forced an experimental medical procedure on you, in order to force this experimental medical procedure on you, uh, then um, they, there can't be therapies. That's one of the rules. So that's why vitamin C, zinc, vitamin D, strengthening your immune system, something that, that every flu virus, every cold season, everything has always been recommended, but not this year. So it's, it, it's totally um, appropriate if we start looking at this in a different way because high blood pressure, high cholesterol, type 2 diabetes, and bowel disorders cannot be diseases. They cannot be diseases. And if any doctor says that they run in your family or they're genetic, um, then the doctor is not thinking with common sense. Um, so high blood pressure, blood pressure will go up and down depending on the need. Um, cholesterol is the precursor to stress hormones it's also 50% of the overall weight of the, uh, the brain. It's one of the most valuable molecules your body can ever possibly make. And type 2 diabetes. What is type 2 diabetes? It is a blood poisoning. It used to be called adult onset diabetes. Um, the reason they call it adult onset is because you had to have years of toxicity or poisoning for you to develop it. Now, bowel disorders. How many caribou get diarrhea? How many, how many um, buffalo have uh, inflammatory bowel disease? Uh, well, if they're in a concentrating animal feeding lot operation, you're going to have some sick animals. But let's look at animals in the wild. Do they have normal bowel movements? Absolutely. And in fact, normal bowel movements are, this is how your body breaks nutrients down and builds them into you. You're the only, your, your system is able to take an apple, carrot, broccoli, pasta, and fish or chicken or beef and break that down to the protein, fats, and carbohydrates and build eye tissue out of it and build blood tissue out of it. So you have this symbiotic relationship with your environment. Um, where you need to, to take in nutrients, produce proteins, and eliminate waste products. That's how your system actually works. Now, so if you have bowel disorders, e either you're eating poisonous food, which is super common, because in order to give food a shelf life, we have to um, remove the metabolic and digestive enzymes. So we need to go back to how your body is actually designed. So if you're taking 
whole food, plant-based, organic. And when I say plant-based, I'm not talking vegan. Okay, I mean, your diet is mainly based in plants. You can eat animal products, but they've got to be healthy animals. You can eat plants, but they've got to be healthy plants. So we're just talking you're going to eat the way your great-grandparents ate. And they ate nothing but whole food and organic because that's all that was available to them. So if you change your diet to whole food, plant-based, and organic, do you think that will help with the ulcerative colitis or inflammatory bowel disorders or, or any of those different conditions? Absolutely it will. Because when you look at signs of stress, okay, and this is what I'm going to look for. If somebody comes in with a diagnosis of high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, cholesterol, um, one poop every three days, or inflammatory bowel disorders. Okay, so all of those are going to be appropriate. Well, let's look at bowel frequency. Two to three per day is normal. If you're showing less than that or more than that, that means either your system is trying to alkalinize, and that'll be diarrhea, or your system is in an extremely stressed state, that's one bowel movement or less a day. Sleep patterns. Um, are you sleeping through the night, waking up refreshed with tons of energy? If you are, that's fantastic, because know that there's high disease rates at nine hours or more sleep or five hours or less sleep. Optimal human function is six and a half to seven and a half hours of sleep. So um, there's ways to get, um, there's ways to change your sleep patterns. But, you know, let's just look at signs of stress. So bowel frequency and sleep patterns. Um, what about bunion formation? Absolutely, because if you have bunions, it's not coming from wearing high-heeled shoes or anything. It's literally coming from compromised nerve supply to the feet. Now, the nerves that supply the feet come out of the base of the top of the sacrum, base of the lumbar. So typically, that's going to be pelvic insufficiency or, or pelvic issues. Now, the pelvic houses half of the autonomic nervous system. So if I see bunion formation, I'm going to ask about sleep patterns, bowel movements. I mean, literally, how the body is adapting um, to that, that physical alteration. Because if those foot patterns are off, you're talking the gait is off. If the gait is off, we talked about it all last week, that means lumbar disc injuries, pelvic instability. It means altered automatic nervous system function. What if, what if you see somebody with attention deficit disorder or um, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD? Okay, what is that? Is that a sign of stress? Yeah, because your frontal lobe is an impulse control. The cerebellum controls the frontal lobe. Now, what can influences the cerebellum? Oh, my gosh, it's the spine, the dorsal columns. So you have the spine communicating to the cerebellum and the cerebellum controlling the frontal lobe. Now, also, there's a thing called the gut-brain connection. And this is where um, neurotransmitters are produced in the gut. So if there's a defect of the gut... That means a defect of how the brain works. So it's hugely important that when you are looking at signs of stress, which is attention deficit disorder or ADHD, hyperactivity disorder, um, that these people have impulse control issues. 
or frontal lobe dysfunction. Now, that frontal lobe, you need to look at the entire structure in order to see how the body is controlling that. Doesn't that make sense? What about like anxiety? Let's go in um, anxiety, uh, stress, impulse control, uh, schizophrenia. All of these things are frontal lobe. And so that is the ultimate end result of gut dysfunction, um, nutrient deficiencies, altered input into the brain. These are actual problems that have actual solutions. Uh, so now if you have decreased bowel patterns or if you have sleep patterns that are, that are interrupted or you have altered mechanics like bunion formation, do you think that you should just treat that symptom or look at why that symptom is presenting? Again, let's think about this. Two to three bowel movements a day is normal. If you have one a day or one every other day, should you take Metamucil to increase your bowel movements? Or should you find the stressor that's actually causing it? It's going to be physical, chemical, or emotional. Should your sleep patterns okay, be interrupted and not six and a half to seven and a half hours, you're getting up to, to pee, you're not getting up refreshed. Should you take a sleep medication? that has side effect of suicide, suicidal thoughts, um, anxiety, poor sleep patterns, and fatigue. That's what it says on the sleep medications. Bunion formation, your feet hurt. Should you go get a $400 orthotic? Or should you take pain medications? Or should you look at the altered nerve supply? ADD, ADHD. Okay, now think of that. Do these people have trouble paying attention? Particularly if they're a kid. Do you have to say, look, Bobby, get back in there and play video games? No, they're in there playing already. In fact, they could play video games for hours. So it's not a deficit of attention these kids are having. It's a frontal lobe dysfunction. And what that's going to be is you'll ask these kids questions, and they'll say things like, oh, man, I could play video games for hours, um, but I can't pay attention in school. So that has to do with impulse control. Typically, these kids are going to have um, chronic ear infections or, you know, some type of trauma. Now, what is the medical definition of stress? Any adverse stimulus to physical, mental, or emotional um, stimulus. Your body responds correctly to stress correctly. And this is why when somebody says, oh, I have a low-functioning thyroid, no, you don't. Your thyroid is responding correctly based on the stimuli. Um, what do I mean by that? Well, if you look at how the body works, if you're exposed to physical, chemical, or emotional stress, your body's going to respond similarly to all three. That means heart rate's going to go up. The body gets prepared for battle. That means blood cells are starting to clump together. The and um, adrenaline goes up, okay, stress hormones goes up, cortisol goes up, and nerve supply to the gut shuts down, so slow gastric motility. All of these stress responses are normal. And, and now, how do you identify stress? Well, physical stressors, you've got to take full spine, digital, um, static, and stress x-rays, thermography, HRV, a surface electrobiography, and all of those are brilliant. What are some of the signs of physical stress? Well, pain, bunion formation, um, forward head carriage, um, abnormal posture. Now, for the chemical stressors, what do we look at? 
dark field live blood cell microscopy or analysis. Thermography is also amazing. And so what are the signs? Pink skin. Like if you look at your skin and you touch it with your other finger, like skin on the back of your arm, then that skin should should not go from pink to white. Okay, that means that there's histamines floating around in the skin. You should be able to touch your skin and just see normal skin. Now, emotional stress, and this is going to be high, high blood pressure, anxiety, impulse control, frontal lobe dysfunction, all of those things. So when we're looking at emotional, what, what do we look at? We're looking at um, uh, how that body is responding because emotional stressors will present as impulse control, frontal lobe dysfunction, etc. Uh, and I love this. Drugging symptoms without addressing the cause um, causes chronic illness. Uh, that's, that's brilliant. So we're going to bring up, let's look at high blood pressure. Now, one thing that every medical doctor should know, and this is in Harrison's medical textbook, um, before treating a patient with high blood pressure, first principle is to know when to treat and when not to treat. Wow, that seems like amazing. So, so does that mean that there's sometimes you shouldn't be um, treating just high blood pressure? Yeah, that's right. You should find out why there's a problem. Oh my God, that makes so much sense. And 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 this is this is kind of cool. Harrison's medical textbook goes on to state. Here, let me fix this. Whatever form is selected. It must not be forgotten that the physician who treats hypertension is treating the patient as a whole rather than a separate manifestation of a disease. Um, a woman who has tolerated her diastolic pressure of, for, of 120 for 10 years without symptoms does not, in, or deterioration does not need immediate treatment for hypertension. Marked elevation in systolic with little or no rise in diastolic does not constitute an indication for depressor therapy. This is particularly true in the elderly or arterially sclerotic patient, even though the diastolic pressure may be moderately elevated. Oh my God, so think of that. So let's say you got somebody that has um, uh, you know, 150 over 120. Okay, that's an elevated diastolic pressure um, for more than 10 years. They're saying not to treat it. Oh my God! <laughs> and again, I'm, I'm, you know, it's tongue in cheek here because if you think about how foolish it is that your doctor is smarter than you, that your physiology, the doctor, without checking your your stress level, asking how many um, bowel movements you have, they're not asking for any um, hard data to see what kind of stress you're under. And here's a guy, the president of the American Institute of Stress, clinical professor of medicine and psychiatry, Paul Roche. Um, uh, blood pressure, it's simply an elevated blood pressure reading on some measuring device that they have many different causes that helps explain why we have some hundred drugs to treat high blood pressure. Well, if we look at the University of Alabama, they said for every, the risk of stroke went up by a third for each blood pressure medications. 
So you're in as much trouble by the time you're on three medications that achieve excellent control as you are when you have high blood pressure that's untreated, which is amazing. So does that mean that you should not just willy-nilly lower blood pressure, that you should actually look at what the stressors are? Oh, that makes sense. High cholesterol. What is cholesterol? Cholesterol is the precursor uh, to virtually every hormone you make. Cholesterol is 50% of your overall weight in the, the brain. There is only one type of cholesterol. There is two, a, a few types of protein carriers. So you have low-density lipoprotein, and that carries cholesterol to the site of injury, and ignorant doctors will call that bad. High-density, or HDL, brings cholesterol back to the liver for storage. Now, here's an article out of the year 2000, Nature Medicine. Um, the cholesterol-lowering medications have known um, to research can reduce your immune system. Helper T cells, the type of cells that are suppressed by statin drugs, these recognize foreign pathogens. So does that mean that if you're taking cholesterol-lowering drug that it can weaken your immune system response? Yes. Is that why the CDC came out and said their numbers of all the COVID deaths are off by 94%? that the majority of people that are dying have 3.8 comorbid conditions and that taking cholesterol and ACE inhibitors are a risk factor? Yes. Will you hear that on mainstream? No. Because you're designed to be controlled, you should not be listening to this stuff. Just turn this off and get to the TV and then you'll be all okay. Unless you look at clinical cardiology. They said that statin therapy is associated with decreased myocardial infunction, um, and that means heart muscle function, an increase in coronary plaques if you're taking cholesterol drugs. Uh, (laughs) The relationship between cholesterol and survival in patients with chronic heart failure. The researchers found that for every point of cholesterol decrease, there was a 36% increase in death within three years. Conclusion, patients with um, chronic heart failure, um, lower serum total cholesterol is independently associated with a worse prognosis. Isn't that interesting? That's from the American College of Cardiology. So you literally should increase your cholesterol if you have heart issues. Here's one out of expert clinical pharmacology. Cholesterol-lowering drugs increase hardening the arteries and heart failure. Um, We've got to change that. So um, type 2 diabetes, 470,000 patients treated with uh, a statin drug increased 10 to 22% increased risk for type 2 diabetes. If you're taking Lipitor, there was a 22% increase. Crestor, it was an 18% increase. So you take a cholesterol-lowering drug and your risk of diabetes increases. Now, when we look at diabetes, one-third of Americans will live with all of diabetes, 30%, 100 million people. Now, 95% of all of those are type 2 diabetics. So that is 100% reversible. But let's look at this. Type 1 requires insulin, and that means that there's been some damage to the pancreas. Type 2 means that diabetes, that, that your body is producing plenty of insulin. But the blood sugar, there's too much in the blood. So that means that it's, it's a blood poisoning. 
And type 3 diabetes is brand new. It's a combination of 1 and 2. And this is a form of Alzheimer's, which is both 1 and 2. So your body both isn't producing enough insulin and um, has too much sugar. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. But if you look at the British Medical Journal, if you take a drug to reduce your blood glucose and you reduce it 9%, you have a 19% increase in all-cause mortality. So how about you just fix it? I mean, Dr. Gabriel Cousins wrote, There's a Cure for Diabetes. Dr. Bernstein wrote, Diabetes Solution. Look at Joel Furman. Again, the end of diabetes. And all of this is by changing your diet. So does that mean it's a disease or it's an adaptation to stress? Bowel disorders. I'm getting 8-year-old and 9-year-old and 5-year-olds with ulcerative colitis. Do you think that these children are born defective? Do you think that they, their moms didn't have enough nutrients in America? Or do you think that they are over-medicated and poisoned? Okay, again, let's look at this through common sense. These kids, by the time they're 18, are going to get 72 doses of 17 different vaccines. That none of that stuff is based in science. And now that we have the COVID insanity, you are covering these small children's face with masks that are limiting breathing, limiting their communication. This is insane. So we're going to cover all of this stuff tonight. Okay, but right now, what I want you to do, we've got to take back our government. I mean, if you look at the U.S. Constitution, it's being abolished by tyrannical, corporate-controlled government, and that's what we have. And in fact, we have two different types of governments. We have the federal government, which can show you the data on that, and it is shocking. Um, when we look at, um, and this, this is kind of interesting, uh, this is a court case called Downs v. Bidwell. It was October 1900. Uh, and I want you to listen to this. The Constitution was created by people of the United States as a union of state to be governed solely by the representatives of the states. And even the provision relied upon that all duties, imposed, and exercises shall be uniform throughout the United States is explained by subsequent parts of the Constitution. In short, the Constitution deal with states, their people, and their representatives. Okay, not the federal government. Um, when we look, and, and this is going to be kind of interesting, because imagine the Bill of Rights. And now the Bill of Rights was written to keep the government in check. Okay, governments get out of control. That's why our government is currently out of control. Listen to the preamble of our Constitution. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty, to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution of the United States. A Bill of Rights, Amendment 1, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of a religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof of abridging free speech, freedom of the press, 
the right of the people to peaceably assemble and the right to petition the government for redress of grievances. That is Amendment 1. Amendment 1. So you're talking freedom of speech, freedom of assembly. Um, it, do you want to get it back? Do you want to get it back? Well, i got to tell you, I recommend it. So this is what you're going to do. You're going to go off to um, a, a couple of things that you can. I recommend SovereignNational.us. And there's no www. Sovereign, S-O-V-E-R-E-I-G-N-N-A-T-I-O-N-A-L.us. SovereignNationalUS.us. You can also look at theamericanstatesassembly.net. Okay, this is a time that we take this back. Okay, and um, we do, we've done so far um, three different webinars on this. Um, to change your status to American State National. Um, look in, because right now, unless you are an American State National, you are a U.S. citizen. U.S. citizens are not protected by the Constitution. They're not protected by the Bill of Rights. But state citizens are. So it's time we take back our world. No longer, once you are a sovereign state national, you are a, an American state national, you are a sovereign person. Once you have that, you are protected by the Constitution. So no one can come in and shut your business down. No one can do that. You are going to be the ultimate um, control and the ultimate power. So please, let's take back our world. Let's take back our lives. You've been lied to by the medical world. You've been lied to by the government. It's time that we take back our world. This is Dr. John Bergman. God bless you, and I love you.